Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark, episode 213-213, Friday, October the 29th, 2021, and the year is rapidly closing, Mark, and before we know it, it will be 2022, so I don't know about you, Mark, but there's, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of pressure on to purchase gifts for the holiday season. And purchase them now, otherwise they won't get delivered. Are you finding any of that pressure, Mark? Just a little bit of pressure is coming my way to make sure I get the appropriate presents before the holiday period. Yes. Um, I know you have the philosophy of um, if I want something, I just go and buy it. Um, <laughs> and, and I've certainly seen that in action with you. But there is something special, I think, about unwrapping a present um, and something even more special about realising that, well, you've been given another pair of socks. <laughs> pretty special socks, socks, though. Pretty yes, pretty that's right. Socks. That's right. And then it puts a smile on your dial. So, yes. And this is my pretend little segue into our shop, Mark, Etsy.com and Vet Gurus. And we've had a couple more sales, Mark. So um, sales have lifted. And if you want to purchase something with a bit of Vet Gurus logo on it or um, a bit of our humour, if you can call it that, um, the place to go is Vet Gurus shop on etsy.com and order now because you may not receive it before the christmas period if you do not order it shortly um and I, i've just i just went out and bought a few things for all my staff mark i said to them they can all have a look and decide what vet gurus merchandise i would like and uh, they each chose something so i've put that order in and hopefully that'll be arriving soon and every every little order gives us a little percentage that helps us um, so it makes you feel good inside as well as outside depending on what product you purchase <laughs> and i think you've ordered a couple of things there um you'll have to let me know when you receive them although i expect that they'll arrive at your home before you arrive back home um, from your travels but um yes so apart from that mark work's been um steady we're uh, we're now transitioning out of lockdown here in melbourne victoria australia and uh, from this friday mark we no longer have to wear masks outside at all times so that will be a bit of a shock um, we've had several months of going outside your front door you have to have a mask on 24 7 regardless of whether you're in the shopping center or, or going for a walk um, the exception is if you are exercising, um, you're allowed not to wear a mask. So that's one of the restrictions that have been lifted, Mark, because we're rapidly approaching, I think, 80% double vaccination here in Victoria, Mark, So, which is it's really um, taken off the last two to four weeks. Um, and the 
the um, targets are being reached a lot quicker um, than they originally thought. So it's good news. Um, and the expectation is the expect, expectation here, Mark, is that we'll get between 90 to 95% double vaccination um, before the new year, which is, which is very good. Which is good because it'll only be a couple of months after that everyone starts having to get boosters. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think they've just approved um, or about to approve boosters here in Australia, aren't they, of a couple yeah. of the variants there? Yes. So any um, news from you, Mark, before we jump into our um, various news articles this week? No pound into it. I think I've got a couple of uh, tr- uh, tips from our travel that fit into our story, so I'm keen to get into them quickly, Brendan. Ah, excellent. And if anybody wants to send as a shout out vetgurus at gmail.com vetgurus at gmail.com well i'll jump into our first news story mark and um, we're just trying to catch up with some of the long list of news stories that we have backlogged and so we're going to rip through a few of them today um and this i don't this is a bit of a nothing story i think i've just reread it again um and i was a little bit disappointed with this one um even though i threw it in there mark and it's about uh, uh, the title is that DNA tests show that most wild dogs in exclamation marks in Australia are pure dingoes and that almost all wild canines in Australia are genetically more than half dingo. A new study has fo- found, Mark, in, and they collated the results of over 5,000 samples of DNA from wild canines across the country. And 99% of them, Mark, were wild, um, were either pure dingoes or dingo dominant hybrids, which they defined as a canine with more than 50% dingo genes in there. Um, then the, the, it's a fairly lengthy article, and I think the gist of the rest of it is that um, they're a little bit concerned and um, about um, there's, um, there's wild dog. Um, baiting or wild dog um, um, harvesting or, or slaughtering um, and this article saying hey this n- there really isn't such a thing as wild dogs it's a bit of a misnomer and that most of these dogs as the title of the article says are variations of dingoes and we should be perhaps leaving them alone what do you think about this mark well i think um that it looks at the the prejudice. I think that our our the, the dingo gets a little bit of a free pass and and uh, is um, is is almost you know considered part of our native flora. It's been here so long, long before um, uh, white uh, colonizers came here. Um, and wild dogs are given you know their feral pests and so there's been a real demarcation in attitude towards the what you know ostensibly look essentially the same um and i don't know whether it's a good thing or not i don't know that it will change attitudes um i've been privy while we've been traveling here to um uh, to talk with uh angus emmett a grazier up here in queensland who promotes uh the the um the maintenance of uh, dingoes on grazing properties to decrease um, the, you know, um, they pre- prevent wild dogs and foxes building up and actually slightly increase carrying capacity, in in his opinion. Um, so I'd, I'd, it's a complex space, um, I reckon, this whole 
uh, dingo in the environment story. And I just hope that this doesn't, you know, allow people to switch um, their angst directly from the the mythical wild dog who who damages stock to um, to dingo and dingo primary hybrids. Yes, and the legislation. Yes, and the legislation is quite complex as well and varies dramatically between the states and territories. For instance, they're listed as a threatened, dingoes are listed as a threatened species here in Victoria and so they're protected and they're not protected in other places, including New South Wales. Um, so, yes, um, that's my first news article. What do you have, Mark, up first? My first one is uh, a little report um, about uh, Jody Rowley's uh Frog ID phone app and um, and some of the, you know, it's been going for a few years now. Uh, what happens is you download the app onto your phone, then you go out on wet, rainy nights and record uh, frog calls. And uh, Jody and her colleague, um, and Jody's colleague does uh, works, uh, Gracie, Gracie Liu at the University of New South Wales, they have uh, factored in the vast increase in number of people using the app and, and uh, uh, doing these 20 to 60 second recordings um, and then had a look at um, changes between when it first started in 2017 and uh, last year, this last year, 2020. And geez, it's not positive, Brendan. Even in just that three years, the, the, uh, the um, range at which many of our frogs are calling indicating their intent to have reproductive activity um, has declined. And because frogs are such a sensitive indicator of the health of ecosystems, it's no surprise that uh, the conclusion is that um, our natural world is getting a little bit worse over those three years. But it's also a big plus for citizen science, Brendan. These are, they've been able to take the information collected by um, by thousands of people um, and uh, 126,000 um, submissions um, and um, and and make useful intelligent deductions about what's happening to populations an excellent example of citizen science and that is a great app isn't it frog id is the phone app um for, and i'm not sure whether it's available outside australia but um it's beautifully made and it's got some great um information on all the different frog species so you just hit the record button on it and it captures the croaking of whichever frog you are near and uh, it then helps try and identify it for you but there's a lot of great info in there the, the, it doesn't. It's not a Shazam for frog calls. It doesn't tell you straight away. No. But Jody and the team email you back after they've yes. uh, had a little bit of analysis, and they they tell you which species they're in their opinion it is, and that goes into the database. And there's a whole bunch of recordings that you can listen to as you're listening to the frogs to try and figure out what it might be in any case. So it's a wonderful ID app, and it's a wonderful citizen science app. I have a lot of fun with my frog ID. Yes, and unfortunately those results um, aren't 
very promising. And my next news story, Mark, is a bit of a downer as well. And they have listed the Komodo dragon on the list of endangered species, Mark, um, the red list, um, the IUCN red list. Um, well, I'm not surprised to you that <laughs> they would would be listed at some stage soon. Um, have you seen Komodos in the wild, Mark? I have not, Brendan. That's one of my, you know, I'm not a big fan of bucket lists. You've just got to go and do everything you can while you can. But if I could somehow get to see one in the wild, that would be awesome. We've had. Um, yes. Yeah, I would. I'd love to see them. I'm not, I'm not going to go off, waffling off on a different tangent. <laughs> Well, there you go. They've shifted from vulnerable to endangered, Mark. And, um, yeah, as usual, habitat destruction or, or shrink its um, and pressures in its protected areas around Indonesia. And uh, they are pretty magnificent animals. And, yes, I have not seen them in the wild either, Mark. So, yes. So that's my and, – and we have links to all of these for those of you who want to get a little bit more detail than our summary of these news stories at vetgurus.com and just look at this current episode. Um, so that's it, Mark. That's all I'm going to say about that one. The Komodo dragon joins the list of endangered species. Well, this is a species, I'm going to talk about a species that I have seen in the wild, Brendan, um, the 40-spotted pardalote, which um, uh, is one of Australia's rarest birds. Um, it once was common across most of Tasmania, uh, particularly the white gum forests, um, but uh, obviously those forests, uh, well, they get chopped down. They've been chopped down hugely, um, and there is uh, only a very, very small percentage of its previous range that is considered suitable habitat um, on Flinders, Maria and Bruni Island. I've seen them on Bruni Island um, and um, and its chances of survival have become much more uh, risky because um, uh, nest parasites were killing, blood-sucking parasites uh, were killing uh, um, 90% of the chicks in the nest. Uh, but a really cool thing um, has happened. The the um, um, the Fenner School of Environment and Society at the ANU has a researcher who has um, tainted chicken feathers um, with uh, ivermectin, and then the birds collect these feathers and plonk them in their nest, and um, and the the the, uh, the mites uh, that get into the chicks uh, are dead. So. Um, so it's markedly improved the six reproductive success of the 40-spotted pardalote, um, and we're seeing quite a significant improvement in their breeding success over the last few years. Um, and it's a wonderful example of a relatively low-cost, high-yield um, conservation um, effort. The feather dispensers were... Uh, trial using a $235,000 grant from the government and from 90% failure rate, um, we're now returned to more normal 95% success in reproductive activity just at this level. That's outstanding uh, conservation result, Brendan. That's a decent turnaround, isn't it, Mark? And such a simple idea with the those nesting feather dispensers, the little feather cafes um, for the partloads. Yeah. Um, they look like reels of, of, of old cable reels that they've um, on the photo there that they've um, um, p- 
padded with all the feathers that the parlates can then grab. Um, a question for you, Mark. Um, how many spots do they have? Forty. Do they really have forty. Yeah. <laughs> have you, you have you sat there and counted them? I did. Yeah. I took the photo and counted the spots. <laughs> well, um, they may hybridise soon, and we'll end up with the forty-two spotted parlate. Yes, a successful story, Mark. Fantastic. Good news. Well, my. Next news story is a bit of a fun one, and it's a, 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 a fantastic picture, and I'm sure you've already seen this picture, Mark, um, and that's a picture of a goose flying upside down. And uh, the comment is, and the gist of this story is that um, it's just showing off, Mark. It's, it's just showing off, um, and it's and it's a, a, a dark grey brown bean a goose was flying upside down, was snapped by an amateur photographer near the Dutch town of Arnhem. And uh, and the manoeuvre, Mark. Did you know this? That's what it was called. Flying upside down is called whifling. W h i w f l i n g. You know how much I love to learn new words, and that's a new one on me. Whifling. When the geese rolls their body upside down and twists their necks and head 180 degrees, so they're basically flying upside down. So the feet are poking up in the air. The heads twisted so it's facing normal and the wings are upside down and it's um yeah and and the theory is that and it's not the only species that they've noticed um that whiffles mark <laughs> it's it's behavior seen in several species including uh the black-tailed godwit and the northern lapwing and uh a couple of other species of goose as well and um, initially when he posted his photo mark he had a few people saying that's just photoshopped <laughs> you've just turned it upside down then you've um, cut and paste its head upside <laughs> the other way um and the thoughts are that yeah, this is a, a young geese. Once young geese have mastered flying, they start to see what is possible and how far they can go, um, according to one of the experts. And he said it could just be as easily be that they are doing it to brag to their peers, Mark. Like, look at me, I can fly <laughs> upside down. So there you go. Um, quite a quite an interesting story. Um, and if, yeah. if I was more of a goose, I'd be whiffling all the time. You you whiffle as you walk, Mark, don't you? <laughs> you whiffle every day. Yes. So there you go, Mark. Whiffling, um, the new word for everybody to use at work. Now I have to. Um, after that relatively light-hearted interlude, I have to return us to hard science, Brendan. We have to return to some hard science here. Yes, a journal article, yes. You've, you've provided me with a uh, an article here. Um, geez, the... the, um, the, uh, the You know you get some scientific articles and they, they just diverge a little bit from the standard format and it makes it very difficult to follow them. This one is straight up and down science and uh it's a a, a from the journal of uh um uh, cat science uh the um uh, fifth fifth edition the fifth uh journal of the second edition um first year of publication 2021 um and uh the quote it asks the question are cats good and uh well it uh it almost goes without saying um, in the heading. We've got that this is an important study. Um, what did you think of this study, Brendan? It was um, very succinct, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I, think you need to, I think you need to read it, perhaps if you read out the abstract, Mark. That's a good plan. Cats 
have four legs. Cats can purr. However, science does not know if they are good. Therefore, we thought we 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 thought to determine if cats are good. This was a com consensus opinion. Uh, a, a consensus opinion study between two scientists. Sensitivity analyses were not considered. Results demonstrated that cats are good. Limited sample size and use of anecdotal evidence may have been limitations in this study. In conclusion, it appears that cats are good. Per, per, per. Yes, and in, and the authors wish to thank their cats um, is in their acknowledgements there. Yes, so and they do have two references there, Mark. Um, <laughs> they they self reference themselves, I think, the Journal of Catology, um, and also um, Cat Lady, Cat Friend, and Cat Boy um, in Cats and Friends. Um, so yes, we, um, so a bit of a send up. Um, I mean the the um, you know the classic journal. Article. This wasn't published. Obviously, it was said that they made up this journal of catalogical science, um, and it was it was um, written by two um, two scientists at Deakin University here in Victoria, Australia. Mark and but I think the original one that um, a lot of veterinarians will know of is the one about um, diseases of teddy bears, was it or something like that? It was called. Um, do you remember that one? I do indeed. And I think these are these are um, uh, they serve two useful purposes. They remind us that um, we can be scientists and not necessarily take everything absolutely seriously. Um, but also, we've got to be careful that just because it looks like science, um, that doesn't always mean that it is. Yes, and I think I can hear your wife Kate is backing up the trailer load of um, beer for you. Um, in the background, there, Mark. Well, so. I think um, I think from our pre-podcast uh, discussion, I think we both will be sharing a Guinness this afternoon. Yes, yes. Um, well, we have been pretty punchy this week. We wanted to um, put out a, a fairly short episode um, and deliberately for those listeners who like to just have a short episode that they listen to and manage to finish on their way to work and um, we try to be all things to all people and we're nothing to nobody I think Mark, in the end but um, we try to change it up a little bit occasionally and um, do you have anything else to say before we head off and we'll resume a normal main topics next week um, but we needed to get through a few of these news topics just hope our researchers are happy that we're back on schedule and look forward to talking to everyone next week. Excellent. We'll talk to you all then. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time.